Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's another goddamn episode of the Philosopher's Stone podcast with myself, Jordan Strauss, and the uh, the irreplaceable Sam Laboon. How you doing? Oh, wow. Irreplaceable. I like that. Yeah, I don't have any other friends with a philosophy degree, so you're it. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad that I'm irreplaceable on uh, my own podcast. That's good. People get bought <laughs> good out job of security, you know, for a job <laughs> that pays actually costs money to do. It's good security for you. Uh, I haven't thought about it like that before, but yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what's happening over in Ontario? How are things going? A lot of I, the, the trucker convoy has dispersed. I'm, I understand. Is that, is that a relief to the people around you or do, I guess it was never really a Toronto thing, but no, I don't know. I, I, I can't even, it's like it never happened. It's like they just evaporated. There. Very strange. They're all done. Um, I'm sure the courts are going to catch up with them one by one and extract money somehow. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I mean, as far as I know, it's, it's all over. It's done. It's funny how fast that left the news cycle. Hey, <laughs> Yeah, suddenly more important things happened. Who would have thought? <laughs> Turns out that uh, possible World War Three is uh, puts a lot of things in perspective real quick. Yeah, that's that's been all that's been in the news in like, and it's been in like every facet of the news too because it's like this huge disconnect from Russia is happening. So like, like the owner like it's it's affecting sports, it's affecting media, it's affecting finances, economics, tourism, like it's affecting everything. It is wild how like fast the world put the clamp down on the Russian economy, like everything. Like the fact that they don't even sell Russian liquor in the, in the government liquor stores anymore is like they're finding every single piece of the purse to squeeze. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, yeah. Rem- it's crazy. Uh, like the Chelsea Football Club in England, the owner is selling the club because he's a oligarch, Roman Abramovich. He's a billionaire. He's selling Chelsea. It's it's crazy. Yeah, and he's giving the money to U- Ukraine. From what that's I that's what he says. I have no idea what 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 is really going on. Like, <laughs> I mean, this guy's a, a billionaire oligarch. Like, he's selling something. In a moment of desperation, like he has to get rid of it, and so I kind of think the offers that he's getting probably aren't for as much money as he would like, and so he's trying to make it seem like, you know, give me more money because I'm going to give this money to to Ukraine or something. So you should give me more, but I don't know. I'm I'm very skeptical about his intentions. Yeah, I'm I'm skeptical about most uh, people of that wealth uh, suddenly becoming. Uh, philanthropists <laughs> and like wanting to give away their fortune but uh you know what if it's true good on him i guess yeah i mean maybe maybe he he never owned chelsea for the money maybe he had it as a as a like a just a project that he liked to do because he was like very invested in the team he's he wasn't like an arm's length owner like he he was really involved in in the team and they had a ton of success while he was like the owner so it might be like it might be genuine i don't know but it is it is just crazy how it's suddenly it's every aspect of life is is affected by it yeah 
Well, it's a uh, it's a it's a crazy thing. I've got a uh, I got a big beer here. Let's why don't we have a drink in the uh, in the in the name of our our, our Ukrainian brothers over there and sisters mm-hmm. playing their lives on the line. Pretty crazy mm-hmm. how much they did not capitulate <laughs> to Russia. It was quite inspiring. Yeah, I got a nice glass of scotch here. Thank God scotch isn't made in Russia. I got a, uh, what is this? Hang on one second, I'm pouring it. I hope my mic isn't making any weird clicking sounds like last episode. I don't know if I was listening to it. I can see on the waveform here, when I'm not talking, there's still little waveforms appearing. So I don't know what the fuck's going on here. The never-ending onslaught of technical difficulties at this podcast is its actually kind of impressive. Remarkable. All right. Well, here's a here's a drink to the Ukraine. Hopefully, you all can. uh, Hopefully, it's over soon. That's all I got to (laughs) say. Yeah, I mean, I was I was listening to uh, Dan Carlin put out a a a podcast about it, and he was talking about it. Yeah, I listened to that today too. Yeah, and he's saying the best possible thing. Oh, was he saying the best thing Putin could do is? Just turn around and leave. Like that's the best yeah, thing you can do right uh, now. Yeah, he's like Dan Carlin seemed to be completely uh, flabbergasted by Putin's actions and what uh, I think he he said the words. This is an object failure at this point, essentially blunder. A blunder, yeah, yeah. an uh, all time historical blunder. Uh, is it that like, big of a blunder? Is I think this the it biggest is. Blunder I think ever? I think it's. It seems like one of the biggest blunders since, like at least since Vietnam. Right. At least since Vietnam. Yeah, but nukes will ne- were never in play in Vietnam. So, if I'm correct, am I correct on that? I have no idea. Obviously, it's rumored Vietnam- that at one point at a pool party, Nixon was drunk and ordered the military to nuke Vietnam, but they didn't do it. <laughs> Are you shitting me? Or did you make no, that no, up? no, I'm serious. Are you serious? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> In a hot tub, man. He's feeling himself, eh? <laughs> Get me in the phone. Get me the rotary phone. Drop the I gotta bomb. make a call. Do it. I gotta make a call. I don't want to go to work on Monday. Let's just let's just do it. <laughs> this hangover is gonna kill me. I'm too hungover to deal with this war. Let's just nuke him and get it over. We'll deal with the repercussions when I'm after I have a nap. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. If that's the true story, um, it's, yeah. it's 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 not comforting knowing that uh, the 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 big red button is like what? How many people are in the way of one person? Like I, from what I was reading, Putin can just fucking like. It's like he orders one guy to do it. If that guy does it, it's done. Well, I don't know about that because there's. I, I highly doubt there's like one button they can push that launches all their nukes. Cause like they've got nukes on land. They've got nukes at sea and submarines. They've presumably have nukes on planes. So maybe there's like a button that can launch a bunch from land. No, no, no. I, I don't know. I can't button. imagine that. There's one like, button on a desk that's, and it's shaped like a mushroom cloud. And you just <laughs> have to use your, you have to use both hands to put, push it down. Like you're on a game show. And then, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. A bunch of fire. Everybody gets a, everybody gets a piece of cake. Um, I don't know how it works in Russia, but I know, like, I think in the States, they, there's, like, multiple levels of approval, and, like, like I think it's kind of cumbersome 
to launch them unless they're being launched against you and then you can launch all of them really fast but well that's something else dan carlin was saying was like the uh once someone launches a nuke at you you only have so much time to respond before the nukes hit you right so can't be too complicated of a system to get get one of those lit off or else it kind of defeats the purpose yeah exactly and supposedly russia has these new hypersonic missiles that uh would be more difficult to shoot down with like missile defense systems they have these new hypersonic missiles but they you can take down their tanks with a couple of molotovs (laughs) yeah historically russia hasn't had the best uh military equipment they've they just have numbers that's like been their advantage a lot lot like american advantage in world war ii they just had the numbers were were huge but yeah i would say russians definitely better at fighting on the back foot than they are going forward well this no one's impressed with their uh showing in this match uh this matchup so far yeah i think i think dan carlin was right i think they like they they catastrophically underestimated Ukraine, like both their leadership and their military yeah. ability, because they've been Ukraine's been getting like supplied by the West, by the West for, for a long yeah. time. So they've got you know up to date military equipment. One second, I gotta get let my cat out of the room. He's going crazy. He hates yeah. politics. All right, well, uh, while Jordan's gone, uh, I guess it's just uh, yeah. you and me. Um. I'm not much of a talker. So, all right, I'm back. Oh, he's back. Thank God. So, yeah, crazy times. You know, it doesn't. It's. It, it seems to me like I, there hasn't been a sense of normalcy since Trump got elected. Um, <laughs> like when's the last time it didn't feel like we were on the precipice of disaster or some sort of apocalyptic overtones were hanging around the world? Yeah, it's just been one thing after another. I mean, really, our whole lives, if you go back to like, okay, well, Y2K, that never happened, (laughs) but I'm starting to think it should have (laughs) happened. Nothing would have helped us more than the entire internet being uh, reset. I feel like we needed a little blackout in that time to, I don't know, think about what we were about to do to ourselves. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's time to to go back to uh, the Stone Age. I'm I'm done with all this shit. Like, not the Stone Age. Let's go back to like literally. Let's go back to 1995. That's what we want. No, the internet. I mean, no, that's when the seeds were being sown. Like, if we only go back that far, then it's just a matter. Of, it's just we're we're gonna be right back where we started from. We have to completely reset human civilization. Well, we're already on our way to that with nukes. So it's like. <laughs> Wow. If we keep going forward, we might be reset back then to then. Yeah. So I think gonna be living in we go here's what we do is like we there's gonna be a worldwide decree that advancing technology past what it was in nineteen ninety five, especially when it comes to the social media is illegal and everybody has to all we have for entertainment, no one has smartphones, everybody's got Tamagotchis again. Oh. Uh, everybody's shoes light up. Uh, super soakers are, are, are like the main focus during the summer. And um, yeah. That sounds terrible. What I, do you mean that sounds terrible? That sounds awesome. You must have had no, a oh, no. 90s childhood, man. Yeah, there's nothing good 
in the nineties entertainment wise. Like they didn't have good video games. Their their movies were garbage. The music was terrible. Like what what good came out of the nineties? Nothing. They had great Saturday morning cartoons, dude. Okay, that's true. The Saturday morning cartoons were lit, but I mean, I can't again, really you don't know either. how it would have been because you, we, neither of us would have been. We don't know what adult life was like back then. Maybe it was awesome. I think it was. I think the economy was pretty good in the nineties. Bill Clinton Bill was president. president. You know, he just oh, yeah. living that, life in the White House, having a good time. Bill Clinton getting a blowjob was like the most <laughs> apocalyptic vibe you got. <laughs> <laughs> God forbid a president should have a little fun. <laughs> We're on the precipice. This is Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> yeah. Another, yeah. I mean, now it's just like, it is It is looking pretty grim. I would not be surprised at all if uh, the next 10 years are, are, are pretty rough, I think. What, what was surprised. that? So it's a great time to get into video. I, I said I wouldn't be surprised if the next 10 years are worse than the last 10 years I, in terms of global crises. I try to be an optimist. I really, I really do, but I, I tend to agree with you. I, th- I think things are, are deteriorating unless uh, we can get shit. I mean, remember before COVID, like there was a, this, the big uh, global warming is it going to kill us all? That was what everybody was talking about. It still is. It's like the, it's, it's just, just like the thing that's going to come in and mop everybody up. Well, it's just like, it's crazy. That's so many worse things have happened that, 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 that major issue is yet again on the back burner. So yeah, we're not even going to get there. <laughs> no, it's not, it's, it's too far down our to-do list at this point. Global it's just warming like, is going to end the world. <laughs> hold my beer. I'll hold take my beer. I'll take care of it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I don't know, man. It's like, uh, I really wish Putin could have given us like, give us a year without COVID, without war, just to live a normal fucking life. And then, then do your shit, you know, or don't do it. In fact, don't do it. Maybe there will be a a good outcome. Maybe this will, because the West is incredibly unified right now. Like, right against this common cause. It's almost like aliens invaded. But, <laughs> so like a lot of countries that weren't unified before this are now, and now maybe once this whole thing, hopefully it doesn't escalate into something that is, uh, you know, changes civilization as we know it. Um, and instead it, 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 it unifies the world in some, kumbaya way and uh covid fucks off and uh, uh i don't know it just seems like there really is uh it's it's crazy i hate to say this but it does sound like the end times in the bible <laughs> well i did see a uh one of those christian evangel evangelicals uh pat robertson i think is saying exactly that that this is this has been prophesied he had like a map with like weird names on countries like Ukraine is called like Uga or something and Russia's like Mog or whatever. I don't know. Weird like one syllable names from the Bible. And he's like, This is the prophecy. It's happening. The end times are here. He said Putin was uh being like 
mind controlled by God or something to uh, to do this to like set the the wheels in motion. So God is mind controlling Putin to start yeah, the apocalypse, yeah. basically. Yeah. God damn it! The, the thing is, is that everybody's been predicting the end times for so long. Eventually, someone's gonna get it. You know, someone's gonna be alive at the right time. Like you know, it's oh, the yeah, whole, yeah. even a broken clock is is right twice a day, right? It's that whole thing. It's like if you yeah. just keep predicting that it's the end times, eventually the end times will come and you'll be right. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, I mean, we hate to, hate to think about it, right? The world's never ended before. We've always pulled through, hence everything's still here. But it's definitely possible for everything everything to end and go away, and no more people to be alive. Just little worms and stuff. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, it's kind of cool. Like the, uh, the, the, the whole FOMO element of dying is going to be out the window, <laughs> you know, <laughs> fear of missing out on what the next generation is going to do. Yeah. Uh, I just, it's just, it, uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try and keep it optimistic out here. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm getting fucking married in a couple months and I have to keep the, uh, the positivity alive here. I think. Hey, well, that, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's the thing about the end of the world is that's when all the best parties are like for sure. Well, we won't be bored. I'll put that. that that'll be. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe no, our... all, the, all the best parties are at the end of the world because everyone's going to be dead. So they throw huge, massive orgies. Well, that's all the, the best is. movies are uh, at the end of the world for the most part. Well, not the best, but a lot of good movies are uh, involved the end of the world. What? What movie? Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Not one of the best movies. Fine movie, not one of the best. Okay. You <laughs> tell me that. What are the best movies? Um, The best movies, oh, I think you have to put... I was going to say um, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is one of the best movies. Um, no? You're going to disagree? I, I completely disagree with that shit. You think Edge of Tomorrow is a better movie than Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Yes, absolutely. Oh my God, we have to end the podcast right now. That is absolutely, that is lunacy. How, how do you come to that conclusion? All right, that's our episode. We'll talk to you guys <laughs> I don't know. Okay, first of all, if I want to be completely transparent here, I haven't seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, get the, get the fuck out of here. I've seen it. And I remember thinking, wow, these people are literally like, it's just a bunch of people on, on uh, wires flying around. Yeah, Edge of Tomorrow is just a bunch of computer-generated nonsense that isn't there. But it's got the whole Groundhog Day gimmick, and I love that shit. Oh, cool. It stole something. <laughs> I mean, lots of stories have had that gimmick, not just Groundhog Day. Hmm. Maybe I don't know. Um. Well. Well, that's actually a good segue to our topic. Oh yeah, we do have topics on this show. Go ahead, hit me. Well, speaking. Yeah, we're talking about like what movie is better. Um. That, in a sense, you know, that's related to art, right? We're trying to rank different kinds of art against each other, and many would say that the goal of art is to create beauty. And that is our topic for today. Beauty. Beauty. Okay. Yes. 
Well, in the, in the uh, aesthetic sense or in the uh, heart, in my heart, I feel in my heart type of way. Ah, well, you know, um, some would argue that the two are inseparable, that uh, without the feelings that we have of pleasure, there would be no concept of beauty as we know it. Because when you, to see something beautiful is to, or so, so like these thinkers would say, to see something beautiful is to have a certain internal reaction or response to something. Right. You look at a sunset, you don't, you don't say, you don't have to force yourself to appreciate it. It's just happening. Right. If you don't, I mean, if you meet someone that doesn't like a sunset or doesn't appreciate a good sunset, you, you got to look at them sideways, right? <laughs> like how many puppies have you strangled in a river? Like how many? Is that beauty for you? See the life leave a young puppy dog as it, as it reaches for the surface, but you overpower it. Is that beauty? Oh, Is that a sunset? Is that your sunset? Wow. That's deep. Um, yeah, like that's, that's a great, that's uh, a great example because like one of the, uh, one of the oldest arguments in philosophy about beauty is the subjective objective argument, right? Is beauty a subjective thing? In which case, you know, it's beauties in the eye of the beholder or is beauty an objective thing where, um, something's just, it's just a fact that, you know, a sunset is more beautiful than, a mud puddle or something. Well, I could I could imagine some contrarians to argue that point, but they would be lying to themselves. It's I, I think some things are objectively beautiful, uh, and other things are subjectively beautiful. As in, people pretend to like shit that doesn't normally strike people as beautiful, so they can uh, appear to be uh, looking at it in some sort of higher dimension, enlightened state. I I recall working as an electrician at this uh, huge mansion, um, uh, this couple and the husband was an architect and he had designed the whole house and they had come up with this gimmick <laughs> that no room in the house was going to be square. Every single room was a triangle. So there were no square areas in the whole building. It was all triangle rooms. Everything was at angles and it was, supposed to be interesting but it was completely disorientating and discomfort like uncomfortable to even be in there and then mm -hmm. the woman was some rich apparently she was the one with all the money but she had all these massive pieces of art that like were to me if i saw that piece of art if it, it, it literally looked like a child i remember one in particular it looked like a child drew a, a zebra and then someone just threw handfuls of mud on it and that was hanging in their, like, their main foyer. And the only thing that I think gave it value was that it was like seven feet by seven feet. It was huge. But like uh, to my eyes, like first glance, nothing about it was appealing. And I think that's a lot of like a lot of art as far as like, is it, do you really think it looks good or do you think other people won't understand it or you can claim that other people don't understand it? I don't know. So you're, you're pretty much in the, the subjective camp, like beauty is, a, is subjective or, or you think it's objective? I think it's objective in most cases. Okay. So, right? so if someone were to look at, some, if someone were to tell you that they really thought that, that painting was beautiful. You would just be like, well, you're just, you're wrong. Sorry. There's something wrong with you. 
Uh, I would think that. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that ninety percent of people that saw it would uh, would and were on it, being honest with themselves, would say that they don't get it. Or don't they don't mm-hmm. think it, they wouldn't hang. Here's here's a test. I would like to round up a, a large sample size of people and walk them by that painting in that house and ask how many of them would hang it in their own houses. And I bet you would be less than 1%. So if, a th- so if, if what if it just turned out to be the case that you were the only person in the world who thought that that painting was ugly and everybody else in the world thought it was very beautiful. Would you say that everybody else is just, they have to, they must be wrong. You're the only sane person. Uh, no, I would just, I would just a hundred percent without a doubt realize that I'm in the matrix and I'm plugged into a computer. Something's <laughs> glitching out really bad. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's very interesting and uh, like, okay, I'm just going to be devil's advocate, but I guess my point is, is that there, there's say, I, w- I honestly think that like 95% of the people that saw that painting would not hang in their own house. And the other 5% are, are lying to themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're depraved in some way. Well, no, I think they just want to appear to be, uh, you know, more enlightened artistically, and they like they, they, everybody else doesn't get it, but I get it. But really, oh, they, they want to show that they have a more elevated taste. Yes, I think it's a pretentious thing yeah. where they don't actually like it, but they they know that it like. They just want. They know it's expensive and big, so they they, they convince themselves that it looks good. <laughs> and it's usually the how thing. Big where is like, it? How much does it cost? All right, we'll yeah. take it. <laughs> There's literally mud. Someone threw mud on a on a child's painting of a zebra, and it's probably like thirty thousand dollars. Wow. Um. Okay. So just to uh, let's step away from the art world and let's do the same subjective objective thing when it comes to food. So okay. is there any flavor of ice cream that you don't like? I don't like ice cream in general. <laughs> okay, this is perfect. All right, you don't like ice cream. But now, that's not lots a, of people love ice cream. Are they just, wrong to love ice cream? Hang on, I have a problem with this comparison. <laughs> I don't think food is uh, can be lumped into the same category as like a painting or art because food is uh, required to survive. And some <laughs> ice cream is not required to survive. I know, but like, that's probably why I don't like it, right? I don't. <laughs> I don't like ice cream, but I don't. I, 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 I. Here's the thing: I do believe food can be looked at as an art form, as far as like. But I, I would look at it more as like a craft than an art form. You know, it's like you're 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 really skilled at all the little techniques it takes to make something taste good. But I, I don't necessarily would call most food art. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if someone eats some ice cream and they really enjoy it, they en- are they enjoying it um, because of the the craft that went into creating the ice cream, or do they just enjoy it because of the like immediate pleasurable experience of tasting it? I think people flavor. do. like even I don't I don't like ice cream in the sense that I would never eat like a full serving of it but when I do when I've I've tried it a bunch I I get why I understand why a lot of people like it it's just not my preference as far as what I I have have so many other uh, desserts I would prefer over it okay but like 
these people that enjoy it. I'm gonna. I'm trying to compare the people who enjoy ice cream to someone who maybe enjoys the painting that you find ugly. The person okay. who enjoys the ice cream, they enjoy it. I would say they enjoy it because it tastes really good to them, and it's just not up for debate about whether or not it tastes good to them because only they know what tastes good to them and they eat the ice cream and it tastes good to them. And so they think, wow, this ice cream, delicious. Right. And then maybe they see that same painting and they see that painting and it looks good to them. And they, they think, wow, that painting, beautiful. I think you need to see this painting. (laughs) (laughs) Cause here's another analogy. Like, the ice cream thing, I, I totally understand why people like it. Even country music. I don't like country music, but I mm-hmm. understand the appeal of it to certain people, right? Mm-hmm. This painting has no redeeming qualities at all. <laughs> like, and I think this is more of a problem with that type of art form, like visual arts. It can, like, I think that is, like, a, a really, really... Uh, I mean, I I, I want to say subjective, but that that painting was. There's certain things that just aren't good. Like, they just aren't appealing, and I can't understand why anyone would say they are. You can't understand it, but may there might be someone who like. Well, forget about this particular painting because you really seem to have a strong feelings toward this painting. But let's imagine some other painting that maybe you don't think is that great, but somebody else thinks is really, really like special and beautiful. Can you say that that their feelings that they should not have the feelings that they have towards that painting? No, I can't tell them that. Yeah. I, here's the thing: is that I don't believe this woman actually liked this painting either. Okay. I, I, I think that it is a it's a it's it's a trophy of it's a it's it's just to show off wealth. That's all it was. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, you know what? It probably was, and she she probably didn't think it was beautiful. Um. But that's like that's just that's like a separate thing. I think it is I think it is fair to say that you have to say that beauty is subjective to an to an extent. Oh yeah, to an extent to for an sure. Extent. Yeah. But I know when someone's bullshitting themselves when it comes to that type of thing. Like Oh yeah. There's certain things that are just not beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I, I yeah, I would agree. I think there are certain things that are not pretty. And you probably would be hard pressed to find anyone who thought that they were. And so I think, but you would always find people that claim they thought that. Yeah. And they're doing it for strange reasons. But I think for a lot of things, there will be cases where people genuinely, one person will genuinely think something is beautiful and another person may genuinely think it is not beautiful. And in both cases, you know, you you can't really say one person is wrong. One person is right. But I also agree with you that beauty is objective uh, to an extent as well. And in fact, it's like it's pretty, it's pretty. It makes sense for us to think beauty is, is objective because if you look at the history of like art and beauty, at least in like the Western tradition, it is very much about creating objectively beautiful things according to rules. Right, of like proportion there's, there's, and there's, yeah, stuff. there's certain colors that work well together. There's there are there are little like built in symmetry is usually appreciated by people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there okay. are things that 
that humans find beautiful based on some sort of evolutionary mechanism, I think. There's flowers that look beautiful to us. Maybe they were mm-hmm. able to provide us with something back in the day. Uh, spots that look beautiful will usually, like na- in nature, will probably have a lot of life around it. You know what I mean? Thus. Mm-hmm. Well, tigers are beautiful, but they're definitely not good for our health. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, that's true. <laughs> but but we also learn a lot from tigers, right? It's true. Yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what we learn from them, but orange and black is a good color combination. <laughs> it is, yeah. I suppose so. Symmetrical. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, when it comes to predator animals and like you know, poison dart frogs, they look mm-hmm. beautiful. They yeah. Kill them. So it's not, a, it's not an across the board thing, but I think that. <laughs> Humans are attracted to humans think certain things are beautiful because they once serve some sort of uh, purpose to our survival or benefit to us evolutionarily speaking. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Um, that's like a whole nother, we could do a whole nother episode about that. That's called evolutionary psychology, which is the idea that uh, like a lot of our thinking and beliefs and like habits are, or have like an evolutionary explanation. Like why do why do things taste good? Oh, because evolution has programmed us to like things that we should eat and stuff like that. Um, so that, we could talk about that too. But um, getting yeah, so just getting back to uh, to beauty. Uh, yeah, like like you're saying, like there are a lot of things that are objectively beautiful, and it's all about like these rules, like the golden ratio. That's another one. The, yeah. the Fibonacci, um, like if you've read the Da Vinci code or like other stuff, there's a lot of stuff in that about how the human body is proportionate. Like all like there's all sorts of weird proportions in the body. Like the length of the finger is proportionate to the hand, which is then proportionate to the arm and everything is in these ratios, which is thought to make it objectively beautiful because everything conforms to these ratios. Now, is it beautiful objectively in the sense that it's just what we're used to. So anything that's outside of that is not would be kind of jarring to our senses. Right. Hmm. That's That's okay. Well, I did just watch a a video about this. It was like one of those Kurzgesagt videos. Yeah. And they, uh, great channel. Um, Check it out. (laughs) Shout out. Yeah. Um, and they, they were talking about these experiments where they would show people two paintings and the paintings would be like in similar styles but they would be different in important ways so for example they would show them like a jackson pollock painting and the jackson pollock painting appears chaotic appears random but it's actually you know planned out to some extent with like some understanding of fractals and ratios so it it follows these rules of beauty that have been sort of developed over time and then the other painting would also would be like an imitation of a Jackson Pollock in that it has all of like the weird randomness and like paint blotches, but not according to any like rules of artistic proportion or golden ratios or anything like that. And people, even though they didn't have any artistic training, would pick the Pollock painting as the better painting. 
they would just sort of have like an instinctive ability to pick out the one that had all of these, you know, hidden ratios and proportions and fractals in it. Right. Uh, I, I understand. I, I get that. Uh, because like, especially color combinations can be almost upsetting when they're wrong or when they're not following any sort of theory. Right. Just like how yeah. music notes will ter- give you a gut turning feeling when they're <laughs> in the right, uh, you know, sequence. Right. Mm-hmm. Musical theory is a thing because you can't just jam any notes together and it'll be pleasing to the ear. Same thing with colors and shapes. Um, but on that note, I would not put a Jackson Pollock in my house. Like it, it's not an appealing uh, medium of painting to me. You don't like Jackson Pollock? I don't. I, I don't. I don't like Jackson Pollock. Wow you 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 don't have. Your taste is not elevated. See, you're starting to sound like that <laughs> shit zebra painting. Um, I mean, yeah. you know, you know the pretentiousness of like the arts world, especially visual arts. It's like a fucking empty glass box, and it's you know selling for thirty million dollars. Yeah, well, th- there you're getting into. That's like, yeah, we're getting deep into the art stuff. I was just thinking about that earlier, but like uh, some of that art stuff, like the glass box. That stuff is almost, it's more about the meaning than the beauty. Like that glass box will be a perfect, like the, it'll be like a rectangular prism that conforms to the proportions of the golden ratio and all of that. So it'll be like objectively beautiful, but it's not so much about like, wow, look, I was able to make a glass box with, you know, certain proportions. It's about, there's supposed to be a meaning to it. Right. Is it really art if you if you have to explain it for people to appreciate it? Well, that's like a whole different question. I think I think when we talk about art, we should be broad and include lots of things as art and not be narrow. And so I think it's fine to call an empty glass box art if that's what it's intended to be. But if you didn't know that's what it was intended to be, would you think anything other than, wow, that's a glass box? I mean, if I didn't know what a painting, like, you might not know what something is. Like, art doesn't necessarily have to be beautiful to be art, I don't think. Well, that's interesting. And I actually agree with that statement. You're right. You don't, it doesn't have to be. Um, but I, I feel like an art piece should stand on its own to some degree, right? I, I don't think you need to, ex- I don't think you should have to explain it for it to be appreciated you might explaining it might make you more appreciate it more but i think that it should be able to stand on its own and i don't think shit like a black like a empty plastic box really stands on its own or any of these weird pretentious you know like a, 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 see at least a jackson pollock painting looks like it had like like i could tell that was something someone made art here it's just not my mm-hmm. cup of tea <laughs> Whereas, like, you can see, you know, like a, like a, there's like a fucking, <laughs> there's like a crushed Coke can sitting in a, in a spotlight, and you're supposed to be like an ob of this shit because it's mm. some bullshit metaphor for some other bullshit. <laughs> well, okay. Well, here's a quote from uh, David Hume. Uh, oh, David Hume. <laughs> yeah. So, guy's got greasy fingers and everything. Oh, man. <laughs> He's a. Uh, he, I don't want to say his, he looked very clean. I bet he was very clean. I bet he scrubbed very thoroughly every day. 
Well, the grease is more of a me- it was more of a, a personality trait than a physical. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like the in philosophy, the basic trend over time is that in like the time of Plato, uh, people were very in the objective camp towards art. Um, like Plato had this believed in these things called the forms, which were sort of in like a maybe like another dimension would be one way of thinking about it or like another reality. They were on like a higher plane of existence and the so forms like, were perfect and like, objectively uh, beautiful. Sorry. So the forms, the forms would be something that is like uh, outside the rules of man's making. They're, they're like kind of like laws of nature. Um, sort of like think about like, uh, like, there's lots of different cat. There's cats, right? Like, for example, take cats. Yeah, tons of different cats, and no two cats are the same. And yet, we all know that you know this is one cat, and that's also a cat. Like, they're not the same. One of them might have three legs. One of them might have four legs. But we recognize all of them as cats. And the reason that they're all cats is because they are all sort of like reflections of the true form of the cat but the true form of the cat is on a higher plane of existence. And all we are privy to are these sort of physical manifestations of it that aren't, they don't quite capture the true form of the cat. And that's why there's so many different kinds. There's only one true cat. And there's one true cat form. Yeah. And it's It's somewhere in space. Exactly. Exactly. And the closer things get to their form, um, you know, the better they are. And when things are, like weird and drawn away from their form, then they're less, less beautiful. So there's like this objectivity to it in that the closer they are to the form, the more perfect they are. I'm probably butchering it, but basically very objective things have unity and harmony like the forms. Right. I, I Going back to this uh, zebra painting for one more time. I, I will say there have been art. I've, there's been pieces of art that at first I don't like. And then when I see more of the artist's work, so I will never like that zebra painting with the mud thrown on it. But it, maybe if I saw like 50 of that artist's um, works, I would see like the kind of patterns and shit that, that, that is like tied through all of them, which would help me gain an appreciation for the shit zebra painting. Mm-hmm. That type of things has happened to me before, you know, especially in like I'll watch a show that has some sort of artistic animation style I don't like at first, but by the end, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Lots of different things. Uh, songs, foods, even like yeah, you, food. you can acquire tastes for things that you don't that's like at crazy. first. That's weird to me that you like something that can be so repulsive to you at one point, can it, you can slowly over time like learn to love it. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So way back then, people were very, very much in the objective camp. They did not think that beauty was in the eye of the beholder. On the contrary, they thought beauty is, or at least Plato would, or like Socrates would say, beauty is not in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is a form. And the closer things get to that form, the more beautiful they are. And it's, an, it's a question of fact about whether or not something is close to that form. But over time, like by the time Kant and Hume come along, they are people are on 
completely different page. And they really do think that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And so this is, this is what Hume says. Beauty is no quality in things themselves. It exists merely in the mind which contemplates them. And each mind perceives a different beauty. One person may even perceive a deformity where another is sensible of beauty. And every individual ought to acquiesce in his own sentiment without pretending to regulate those of others. 1757. That's good. That's a good way to go about life. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would never like, I mean, that's not true. I, I, I talk shit about people that like country music all the time, even though I don't truly mean it. I just find it funny. I, I just, I, 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 I understand. It's like, <laughs> It's kind of like kinks and fetishes, right? Like a lot of, there's a lot of kinks and fetishes that you know the general population is going to be like retching if they were trying to experience it themselves. But other people can't come unless they do it, right? It's <laughs> the, and you and that's why you're not allowed to kink shame. Okay, Hume is right. Whatever one man's uh, treasure is uh, garbage is another man's treasure, right? Mm-hmm. Here's, an, here's another quote. Uh, this is uh, from an a art historian named Heinrich Wulflin. So he's talking about the Italian Renaissance. The central idea of the Italian Renaissance is that of perfect proportion. In the human figure, as in the edifice, this epoch strove to achieve the image of perfection at rest within itself. In this system of a classic composition, the single parts, however firmly they may be rooted in the whole, maintain a certain independence. It is not the anarchy of primitive art. The part is conditioned by the whole, and yet does not cease to have its own life. So tits? They, they're not beautiful unless they're attached to, and part of a whole. I thought he said that they're beautiful because of the whole, but they also stand on their own. You know, that, that's, I, I thought that, that's what he was getting at. <laughs> yeah. Well, like each part will determine every other part in the, in proportion. Like if the tits are so big, then the rest of the body has to Compensate. be in proportion to them. Right. Right. But the beauty will come from all of those things together in proportion to each other. Yeah, that's why you, when you see these people that get like this in crazy level of the like implants and stuff, you know, that makes them look not human at all. They're just like cartoons now. It's mm-hmm. it's more of a curiosity than like a, an appreciation. Yeah, but uh, there's there's objections to that. Objections to that. Uh, that beauty is all about proportion. So uh, here's a guy named Edmund Burke. So Edmund Burke writes, Turning our eyes to the vegetable kingdom, we find nothing there so beautiful as flowers. But flowers are of every sort of shape and every sort of disposition. They are turned and fashioned into an infinite variety of forms. The rose is a large flower, yet it grows upon a small shrub. The flower of the apple is very small, and it grows upon a large tree. Yet the rose and the apple are both beautiful. The swan is a beautiful bird has a neck longer than the rest of its body, but a very short tail. Is this a beautiful proportion? But what shall we say of the peacock, who has comparatively but a short neck with a tail longer than the neck and the rest of the body taken together? Blah, 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 blah. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think that there's a little bit more of a. It, it becomes less of an argument when you go into the animal kingdom. I think that proportion thing is is very much uh, when you're appreciating like the human figure more so, right? Because mm-hmm. like, like he says, a giraffe's. I mean, giraffes are not usually the go-to for what beautiful animals are, but they're not bad-looking animals, right? <laughs> they have these crazy necks. Elephants are appreciated, and they have a certain like striking look to them that can be respected, but they have these ridiculous noses, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that the that proportion thing is more applicable to like human beings. I don't know why, but... Yeah, I don't or know. Or what you're used to seeing, because if you see a if you see a, a giraffe that has a, uh, you know, a neck that it doesn't have a neck, then you're thinking that giraffe looks fucked up, right? If you see an elephant <laughs> that has like a trunk coming out of its back, then you're like, okay, that, so it does it does matter where these things are. I think it becomes like it's a familiarity thing and what what mm. you're used to seeing, and and something can either be. <laughs> You know, if something steps outside of what you're used to seeing, it's either for the worse or, in some cases, for the better. And you're like, wow, that looks amazing. Yeah. What about, like, those Shetland ponies, right? They're like horses, but they just have legs that are, like, half as long. I like <laughs> I'm for them. If you're asking. I'm for them. <laughs> <laughs> I am firmly on the side of the Shetland. Um, nice. I would rather own a small horse than a big horse based on my lifestyle if that's what you're asking much cheaper to deal with i think yeah although not my first choice of pet um <laughs> it's just like uh yeah i mean i think there's there's the the natural like if you see a deformity that's gonna make you have a instinctual feeling right mm-hmm. like when they are clearly not where they're supposed to be that gives us a, like a, 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 a involuntary feeling, gut reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, maybe, to, maybe to wrap up, we can talk about uh, the last thing, which I think like going back to Hume, Hume had a really interesting way of thinking about beauty. So Hume thought that um, beauty is subjective, right? So he, it's not really a question of fact about whether or not something is beautiful. Right. But he also thought that... Uh, I forget what the the exact quote is, but it's like a, a critic. A critic is like a like a nose beauty better than a crook or something like that. And basically, his thought was that uh, you can through like tr- through learning about art and through um, like training and knowledge and like having more more experience of different things, you can elevate your taste so that people people who basically have studied lots of art and you know seen the world and you know like developed their experiences they all tend they tend to have similar opinions about what is beautiful or not and so he thought that in a sense you could say that they are they are more they have a more elevated taste they're they're like the feelings that they get when they appreciate beauty are no better than you know someone who doesn't have their same understanding like the the pleasure that they get isn't better but the things that they judge to be beautiful are different 
And so in a sense, you could say that that's, it's not objectivity, but it is like a standard. Right. Does that make sense? I think so. <laughs> I mean, I'll never forget. I was watching this YouTube video. And I just remember the way the, the, the this person fr- po- like posed this question or phrased it was there was a video it was about samurai swords being made. And, you know, most people will look at a samurai sword and think it's cool. But I remember the interviewer was asking the swordsmith and he said, can you tell us how we should appreciate this? Which was a weird question, I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what that the guy took it to mean was, you know, what are we looking at? Get into the details, nitty gritty. Why is this like that? Why is that like that? And by the end of it, I appreciated freaking samurai swords more, yeah, yeah. right? But I thought that was a weird way to phrase the question. Like, tell us how to appreciate this. Like, shouldn't you just be able to appreciate it right off the top? Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of stuff like that, especially with artwork. Once you like, most people will have like a surface level appreciation of, uh, say, a song. And but if you got into the construction of it and exactly how it was made, then your appreciation for that will, you know, it'll grow significantly. Once you start seeing the interworkings of art, you can appreciate it a lot more. Oh, yeah. Here's a a great here's the quote from uh, Hume. Uh, Strong sense united to delicate sentiment improved by practice, perfected by comparison, and cleared of all prejudice, can alone entitle critics to this valuable character. And the joint verdict of such, wherever they are to found, is the true standard of taste and beauty. So yeah, he's saying like... Yeah, like, can you summarize that in less colorful language? Because I'm I'm nothing but a peasant right now. (laughs) Um, There are impediments to what we appreciate as beauty our prejudice like for example if if you have a prejudice against any painting made after the year 1900 someone might show you a beautiful painting made after the year 1900 and because of your prejudice you just instantly have an adverse reaction to it and you can't appreciate any beauty there or maybe you're only used to seeing one kind of art one kind of painting like maybe you're only used to seeing 2d paintings with just like squares of different colors around each other yeah and then someone shows you some like uh like some jackson pollock or something or like uh maybe even like a a rembrandt or something and because you're so it's so strange to you you your immediate visceral reaction is confusion so like we have impediments to what we can appreciate and only by comparing lots of different kinds of art overcoming our prejudices can we be are are we able to like appreciate beauty there you have it folks but i will never get over my prejudices against certain types of country music and i'm sorry (laughs) I, i see i the thing is, I feel like in some art forms, I get like I there's nothing that I'm not picking up on. Like I'm not missing the memo on this shit. Mm-hmm. I just think it's not good, or it's, well, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lower level of creativity that I'm I'm witnessing. And but I you, think you appreciate is, some country music, like some country music, I do. Yeah, and so I, I think that of, proves that you 
you know, your evaluation of it is accurate and that most country music sucks. And I think a lot of people <laughs> share that sentiment, right? Not and the people like, who only like country music, they only like it because they, they're, you know, they're prejudiced and they haven't compared it to other kinds of music. And they're, they're just, they don't have a elevated taste. I truly believe a lot of people just like what they're told to like. Like, I, I honestly yeah. think that the large majority of people will just, whatever you tell me to is good is what I'm going to say think is good. It's like, it, mm-hmm. it, there's not a lot of uh, personal exploration as far as like, I don't think people, a lot of, a lot of people dive deep into, uh, well, I think music is one where mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people, a lot more than people want to admit, well, they, they, their, their Spotify or whatever their, their playlists are, are essentially just a carbon copy of whatever the top 40 songs are on the radio. <laughs> Right, I don't think there's oh, a little yeah. bit. That yeah. pe- lots of people they don't do the looking, they don't do the searching for, mm-hmm. for right. They get they they're yeah. just consume whatever's spoon fed into their mouth, and I think that goes for a lot of different art forms. Um, and I think that some of the biggest, most widely, so there's this whole thing of like what is going to be appreciated on some level by the widest amount of people and that's what's going to get pushed right yeah i mean that tends to be like the mass whatever appeals to the most people tends to be the most successful at least when money's on the line like that's why movies tend to which is why like especially like popular music will be start all sounding exactly the same Mm -hmm. right and then someone will come along and change the, like do something no one expected that everybody loves. And then that will be like the big thing. And then slowly everybody will start sounding like that person or that style until it becomes mm. stagnant again. Yeah, mumble rap. Mumble rap. <laughs> right. I don't know, but I will say like, I, I was a very staunch um, dubstep will never be good person. And <laughs> it ended up being very good. I mean, the the earlier versions were shit, but any early version of any genre is going to be worse than what happens 10 years later with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. Very good. Well, that's the episode. We have no emails. We have no hope. We have no future. But we're going to keep coming back and giving you our fucking ideas for free. Um, But if you do feel so inclined, it's tpspodcast420 at gmail.com. Uh, hopefully the bombs don't drop before next week. And uh, yeah, strange times and not in a good way, not in a cool way, in an annoying and scary way. Yeah. Next episode will be from a bunker, most likely. Well, I live in a basement suite, so really all I got to do is slap up some plywood on the windows and I'm set. No one's nuking Kelowna. You're going to be fine. What if it becomes like the main, like the most important city strategically in North America? Kelowna. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of fresh water right there. Like, yeah. That's we need no fresh water, cocaine, and bad tattoos. <laughs> that's all you need to live, really, is water and cocaine, I think. I think that pretty much sorts it out. I think that is like the, the summer diet in this city. Um, well, do you have anything else to add? Uh, oh. Shout out to Elden Ring. Try that shit out.
Elden Ring. And I apologize for any uh, kind of glitchy audio. I'm, I, I believe there's something happening, Sam, with my like uh, my internet's dipping out and it'll make like a blip in the audio. So I, I noticed it on the last episode. Sounded like I was glitching out a lot, mm. but you know, what are we? What can we do? What can we do? What can I we would, do? You need to get Virgin Wi-Fi. I need the fucking Elon Musk Starlink right in my bedroom. That's what I need. I need a whole satellite right in my backyard. It only works for twelve hours a day, and then the satellites are on the other side. And it doesn't. Work I want anymore. one of those satellites in my backyard, hanging from a tree. That's what I want. Going <laughs> to be with intense Wi-Fi. Like, yeah, why bother Wi-Fi. putting the satellites in space? Just put it in your backyard. It's so much closer. <laughs> I don't know why Elon doesn't fucking call me and ask me for ideas. That <laughs> that would really revolutionize this bitch. Anyways, that's it. Thank you for listening. If any one of you, yeah, yard link, <laughs> anyone's still out there, talk to you next week. See ya.